0: the basket.
1: Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. We're going to have Tyler come up here and do our joke.
2: Um, Good evening, everyone. Happy Thursday. My name is Tyler, and I'm an alcoholic.
3: I've got the pleasure of reading uh, the joke to you. It's grapevine approved, in case you're wondering. Um, So without further ado, a newcomer was sitting in the back of the room before the meeting began, leafing frantically through the pages of the big book. An old-timer noticed her actively and asked, what are you looking for? Loopholes, the newcomer replied. I just loved the idea of joining Alcoholics Anonymous. I thought the alcoholics part meant they drank and the anonymous part meant they didn't tell anyone about it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you
1: Tyler. Uh, I'm a recovered alcoholic and my name is James. James. Thank you for joining us tonight. In a minute we're going to start our two-minute meditation so please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise that might slash will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Everybody's ready we're going to start the meditation. (laughs) The <laughs> So we're going to say the fog light prayer, which is on both of the screens. God, God, let your love shine through me like a fog light, so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have found a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Shannon to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one, so it's kind of important to know what one is. It's so welcome okay. up. Shannon. <laughs> uh, Shannon, alcoholic? Yeah,
4: Shannon. Spiritual experience. The term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God-consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety— because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in this reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most empathetically, (laughs) we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof which is proof against all arguments and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is content prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer.
1: Thank you so much, Shannon. Uh, Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech free meeting, so uh, set your phones to airplane mode or just shut them off. Uh, Tonight we have uh, Joe B on his second session. Um, He runs an awesome uh, big book meeting up in Pompano. They just started back up Wednesday nights. Wednesday night, I was there last night. It was really good. Uh, Let's please welcome up Joe.
3: Hi, everybody. Joe Bear, alcoholic. It, I, I have to do this. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, like, only in an alcoholics meeting would they put, like, a fake $100 bill sticking out of the steps here. Like, you know, back in the day. Anyway, so last week we um, we we really delved into the doctor's opinion, and we discovered some things, and... <clears throat> You know the, the the if you understand that this is a textbook that that Alcoholics Anonymous, the first 100, they considered this book to be our text. And uh, anybody that knows about textbooks knows that they're books of instruction. And um, you know, for for us, that's so important. It's like you know, thank God that that the 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 wisdom and the insight and the the divine uh, inspiration that they they received back then kind of led them to uh, do certain things and write certain things and put certain things in here that, that would have us approach things differently. You know, if it was just a novel, it was a, a nice bunch of short stories, or it was just stories to begin, we, we probably wouldn't be here tonight. You know, we probably wouldn't have gotten uh, uh, sprung out like, uh, you know, the phenomenon that it did. So the textbook, a book of instruction, that means that we're going to get directions on exactly how to recover. Um, what Shannon read, I don't know where that is, but I'm going to go back there for just a moment. Because there's, there, there's things that I used to hear all the time, but I just missed what they were saying. You know, I didn't, I, it was like wah, wah, wah. You know, I, I had my filters up, my pride, my ego, my defensiveness, my contempt, my arrogance, my, you know, all that stuff was the filters through which I would hear information. And so not a lot got in. You know, I just didn't hear or listen or comprehend a lot of what people were trying to tell me because my, what I knew, my education, my understanding, the way I uh, developed this interpretation and perception of life as I was growing up always got in the way of that. It always, you know... uh, Deemed what anybody was saying was either valuable or not, you know, and if it if it was about getting money or becoming popular or this and that, and I was listening you know, but I never listened on to anything about how to get well to 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 um, to really be free from the bondage that we find ourselves in um, at a very early age um, so you know the the thing that uh, I heard tonight besides everything else that she read because the whole theme of spiritual experience, this thing that we're after, this, this goal that we hope to achieve, um, this connection, this channel, this, this, this direct, uh, uh relationship with God. And, and it, it is, 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 it's, there's, there's a very specific formula in here and, um, it says, uh, it says this, it says, uh, Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic, that means anybody sitting in this room and anybody that you know in Alcoholics Anonymous that is uh, either a a self-proclaimed alcoholic or somebody that's just kind of searching it out, um, they say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover. That's really good news, provided... He or she does not close his mind or her mind to all spiritual concepts. And step two, we're going to talk about step two tonight. We're going to kind of finish a little bit of step one where we started last week. Um, and hopefully be able to get, ascertain some information where we can concede to our innermost self. Or to make, make as fact in our own lives. Like marrying this information to our own experience. To where we can say, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely an alcoholic. Um, and I definitely want to. I want to change. Right? I mean that that's that's really the spirit of this thing. So um, it says he can only be defeated by a, an, uh, an attitude of intolerance or intolerance or belligerent denial. And when we're talking about God, that's all there is. You know, when we get here, we're that's the last thing we want to talk about. Most of us, especially if we especially if we think we have a pretty profound relationship with God. You know, there's, a, there's a, lot of, a lot of people that come in that want to impress people and, and, and let everybody know how smart they are when it comes to religion or spirituality or God or this and that and the other. And, um, you know, the fact remains that if, if our relationship with God as we understand him when we get here, whether it's profound or, or, or very confusing, um, the reality is it's insufficient to overcome alcoholism. God is not insufficient. We are insufficient. Our relationship is insufficient. The way we have it all is insufficient. Or we wouldn't need to be here. We wouldn't need to come to AA meetings. We'd be having that profound relationship and everything would be fine. We wouldn't have to drink ourselves to death, would we? So the facts are, the facts are, are pretty plain. But the most important thing is, is that we can take this information that Dr. Silkworth... Um, wrote and gave us, and uh, come to some conclusions. You know, when we get to step five, and we hear it every meeting, I mean, uh, and by the way, I don't run anything. <laughs> I don't run the Wednesday night study group. Uh, I'm not even facilitating it right now, but we've got some young guns in there that really know what they're doing, and they are on fire. And that's what we, that's what we hope to spread, right? I don't think Mike Chase gets the credit he deserves. He, he, he faithfully comes in and sets this meeting up hours before it begins so that everybody can come in here, be comfortable, and hear a message that is that is grounded in this book. And I, I believe me, I've heard a lot of speakers that he's had up here. Um, the program of recovery is a, 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 a... It's contained within these pages. You don't have to go anywhere else. It's not... It's not derived from opinion. It's not derived from uh, somebody else's ideas of, of, of what recovery is or what they think it should be. Um, it is very specific. When Bill uses words in this book, he doesn't use any vague words. There's no gray area. There's no room for us to try and figure things out. And that's what John told me when I got here. He says, you know what the good news is, Joe? He says, you don't have to figure anything out the reason you've been dying from this thing is you've been trying to figure it out, right? So, um, and that was the facts. that I couldn't argue with that. How do you argue with that? Right? He told me when I got here, he says, let me tell you about why you haven't been able to stay stopped. Number one, it's because of commitment. You're not committed. You're not committed to anything. As a matter of fact, take all the money you have. How much money do you have in your pocket? To your name. And I hadn't. I had just come from Clearwater, and I had nothing, but I did have seventy-seven cents. It's probably changed from trying to buy cigarettes or something. I don't remember. And he says, "Joey says that's exactly what you're committed to having. That's exactly what you're committed to having. How do you how do you argue with that? I wanted to come up with different intentions and different different ways of trying to you know." Explain to him why i didn 't have any more than than that, but that was the fact I had seventy seven cents and that 's exactly what I was committed to having right i, w- I didn 't have recovery because i wasn 't committed to having it until I was ready to die until I had gotten to the place on this planet where the the, the person I hated and loathed the most was looking back at me in the mirror you know and that 's a very low, dark place to go so um this information that they're talking about here is, is uh, going to bring us to a place where we'll be able to concede to our innermost self and make as truth, make as fact, and own the information that it definitely is part of my experience in life, right? So um, we have to be honest about that. There's no there's no room for being dishonest about that or trying to lie to ourselves. We lied to ourselves and sold out on ourselves more than anybody else on the planet. We were always compromising that person in the mirror, always. So he says this, he says to show other alcoholics, this is a forward to the first edition, to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. The main purpose of this book now if he'd, have, if he'd have thought meetings which were just getting started back in that day, right, if he thought those were the, were the uh, uh, precise per, per, precise uh, way to get recovered, I think he'd have probably wrote that, but he didn't The reason they wrote this book number one was to sell, sell copies and make a little, make a little money. But the the fact is, is that the the program of recovery that's in here, they wrote it down so it wouldn't get twisted and garbled. And my God, has it gotten twisted and garbled, right? It's really gotten watered down. So we've got to be really specific because people are dying left and right. You know, there's people that when I, when I, uh, uh, did this series? I don't know years ago before it was before it was uh, COVID, and we did it over in the living room. Before that, when we would have uh, meetings in here, a lot of those people aren't with us anymore, and they died way before their time. So, if you're new here and you've been in that struggle, I am speaking to you. The people that have been around for a while know this deal and. You know they, they they're they're in the audience and they're kind of singing along with me because they know the song they know the melody they had the experience and they, they they have been rocketed into that dimension of life that they talk about in here. I can't impress them. I can't you know I can I may say a few things that that, that tweak their understanding or maybe enhance their perception, but they're not who I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to those that are dying from alcoholism or perhaps walking around in and out of AA like I did for almost two decades with an alcoholic mind. The only thing that didn't change from the time I came in till 16 years later was the alcoholic mind I was walking around with. That's the only thing that was consistent in my life. So you can quite... Frankly say I was fighting for the right to die. I didn't know it, but I was walking around with untreated alcoholism and how do we treat alcoholism how do we how do we treat untreated alcoholism through this process and a spiritual awakening that's how we treat it okay so it's the main purpose of this book, and last week we 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 we, we brought up some things that are that are pretty profound. You know, Bill, Bill Wilson, when he was in his third treatment in Towns Hospital, acquired certain ideas. He it, it says in the course of his third treatment, he acquired certain ideas of which he had never had before, was never presented to them, them before, never knew them before, weren't even part of his vocabulary, his understanding, his old, none of it. From the day he was born to the time he got these ideas, he, had, he never had them. Just like us, right? But ebby Thatcher goes into town's hospital, gives him these certain ideas, these, this information that he got from the Oxford movement, where he had recovered, he, he got sober, he, he, he came to Bill, he had a conversation with him, he visited him in the hospital, and he put forth the six tenets of the Oxford movement, Oxford program back then. It was a first century Christian regener- spiritual regeneration movement, right, that Bill put into action. It says, as part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to present his conceptions of these ideas to other alcoholics, impressing upon them they must do likewise with still others. That was the basis for us being here tonight. So if you've been walking around in the struggle and you've been really going through a lot of pain and all the losses and all the prices that you paid and all the collateral damage that you've left in your wake to where the ripple effect is, it's still going on out there. right? Perhaps tonight you'll get some new ideas that will lead you to a life that wasn't going to happen Without those ideas. Do you understand that? My God. That's impactful man. If I kept walking around. With those ideas I had. About how to live life. And how to get over this thing. Without getting these certain ideas. These new ideas. This new information. I'd be a dead man walking. I'd be walking around. Breathing. lifeless (laughs) so like yeah these were important right so i i i beg you like they begged us please if you're wondering why you can't get this thing it's because your mind has been closed and you're living in a place of old attitudes ideas and beliefs that is where prejudice comes from That is where contempt comes from. That is where pride comes from. So Dr. Dr. Silkworth later talks, you know, said some very impactful things. He said, uh, and I think this is really, puts it on the table. I mean, Dr. Silkworth was incredibly, he was a brilliant guy, you know, and he gave us the problem to alcoholism. He said we have an, he theorized that we had an allergy to alcohol. And the way the symptoms were of this allergic reaction when we ingested alcohol was a phenomenal craving. He didn't know, he didn't, he didn't know how to explain it, so he used the word phenomenal. There was a phenomenal craving. In other words, when we put it in, we couldn't stop or control it. Right? And we drank because we were trying to overcome a craving we couldn't overcome. Right? Think about that for a second. Every time we started drinking it was usually, especially in the latter stages, it was oblivion. It was like into blackout or into pass out. And we were drinking beyond the stage of being relaxed or having a good time or being able to talk, you know, slick. Or idle to people in suave tones of surface talk that meant nothing, right? And then all of a sudden... We're flat out gone. Annihilation. And we come to. We don't know where we've been. We don't know what we did. We don't know what we said. That's what this allergy does. And the worst thing about it is we said. I'll never do that stuff again. I swear to God I'll never do that again. I hope nobody comes to me and says. I did this or did that. And two hours later. We were doing again. Right. So. It says this, for all the emotional appeal seldom suffices. That's that, those are those pleas that have little substance to them, right? Those little, those, those, those begging things, those, those emotional, please, you're killing me. You're killing my family. You're killing the family. You're killing your kids. But it didn't matter to us, right? It says, that's why it says, it seldom suffices. The message which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. they got to know what they're talking about. And listen to this. It says, in nearly all cases, Dr. Silkwood, he always left that little disclaimer, like maybe there's one or two in in about 10 million that might not, right? It says, in nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to... Improve their life? No. Improve their family's life? No. Recreate their lives. Recreate. Think about that statement. These words are huge. We're not in this thing for a little alteration. He's talking about recreation. Caterpillar to the butterfly. Right? Right? A completely different human being with completely different perception, different understanding. But the thing that's going to have to change is our thinking, right? It's our thinking, not our drinking that's going to kill us. Drinking will probably take its heavy toll and probably does take a, a lot of people out, ultimately. But people sitting in this room, if we recover, our thinking has got to change. That's That's got to be first and foremost. So... Uh, he talks about ideals, too, and he's not talking about ideas here. If, everybody, if anybody is familiar with what ideas and ideals are, there's a huge distinction between the two. My ideas weren't getting me anywhere. My ideas emanated from the best thought I had, right? And the best I had got me to where I was, which was flat out done with life. Ideals are principles in their most excellent form. In their most excellent form. An ideal is something, a principle, or a concept in its most excellent form. So in other words, if I hope to gain honesty, if it's going to be an ideal that I ground myself into... It's going to be in its most excellent form. Fully transparent. Fully honest. That's the only way we can make a concession to our innermost self that we are alcoholic. And can't manage our lives. That our lives have become unmanageable. When you say lives have become unmanageable, you might as well say my thinking had become unmanageable. Right? So A, we're here in how it works. A that alcohol that we, that we admitted we were alcoholic couldn 't manage our own lives or aka thinking, and that no human pe- no human being could restore us to sanity, no human being could keep us stopped, so when you put it in simple language, it kind of like makes sense you know it 's easy to connect the dots when we do that so in nearly all cases, their ideals must, doesn't say should, they must be grounded in a power greater than, I, than ourselves if we are to recreate our life. Now, I don't know what you're after, but I hated my guts when I got here, and I wanted nothing to do with me. It was time for that guy to die. I hated everything about me. College educated, come from a good family. But I did some really devious things. I hurt my family terribly. I lied and I cheated and I stole. God, when I got here, I was a habitual liar. I didn't even know how to tell the truth. I couldn't look at my eyes in the mirror. I said this last week. That's a heck of a place for somebody to get. Right? So I was, I was intrigued about that. I thought, my God, if that's possible, that, that, I, I, wouldn't, I had no idea how to get there. But John said, look. He says, you got to be committed. You need to be committed, you need to be devoted, you need to be obedient to this thing, to your sponsor. It's like, what do you want, Joe? I wanted everything about who I had become, wasn't who I was born to be, and nobody grows into that individual. I had become the sum total of who I fabricated myself to be so that you would like me, you would think highly of me, you would respect me, you would think I was smart, you would think I was witty. You'd think I was somebody other than the nobody I had become inside, the zero. Right? If you just thought of me, you know, if you just paid attention to me, I might feel like somebody. I had become the ultimate imposter. My family didn't even know who I was. So. Not a good place to be. So I was ready for that guy to die. And then we, we found out that ease and comfort. Was, what the, was the main thing that we were after. All the things that I had done to my family. All the things that I had deceived them about. And lied to them about. And gamed them. And stole from them. And hurt them. And always looking for them to help me out and help me up and put me up and it just went on and on and on right all those things they, they have consequences that we suffer from when you do that to people there are things that happen and, 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 and consequences manifestations of that behavior fear fear Regret, shame, remorse, bitterness, loss, feeling like a nobody, feeling like a failure, feeling like a loser, certain everybody knew it about me. I mean, that was the evidence I was putting out there. When you cultivate that type of thing within you, that internal condition and you come into a program like this and you stop drinking to medicate that, people go sideways. The act gets bigger. The intention gets harder to prove to people that you're somebody. You're walking around telling everybody you're fine and you're dying inside. There's only one thing that we gain relief from that. One thing for sure, and that's booze. The ease and comfort that comes in a split second by taking a drink. He says this, he says, it's repeated over and over, and unless this person, us, can experience an entire psychic change, a.k.a. spiritual awakening, a.k.a. spiritual experience, a.k.a. profound alteration in our reactional, life, unless this person can experience that, Entire thinking change, there's very little hope of your recovery. And, and, and if there's anybody in the struggle in here, and you're trying to wonder why you keep having to go through this, and you can't stay stopped, you can't stop starting. You stopped a thousand times, you just can't stop starting, that's why. That's what's driving the lie. And it will always drive the lie. It will always drive that insidious, stupid lie that we tell ourselves to give ourselves permission to drink. Like, nobody will know. It'll be different this time. You know, I'll be more selective in what I use or drink. Really? And we put it in our body and we can't stop because the allergic reaction takes over. The actual craving takes over. It's not a phenomenon, not a theory. It's a fact. All you got to do is look over your shoulder into your past to figure it out. So if you are certain and you can marry that with your uh, with your drinking and your experience. I mean, I don't think anybody's in here where they, you know, that uh, that uh, doesn't understand that. Um, Perhaps it'll help you concede part of this thing. Right. That you're alcoholic and you couldn't manage your own thinking, couldn't manage your own life. It says, um, much has already been written, pro and con, but among physicians, among the medical society, the general opinion seems to be that most of us are doomed. Is, and this is just a little group participation here. Does anybody know anybody who's died from this thing? Look around, please, look around. You ever ask yourself why you're still alive? I have. Why am I still alive? Because I have a God that adores me and loves me so much. He gave me this program, He led me right to it. Everything that I've been through in my life, and a lot of it has been incredibly difficult and very dark and painful, not just for me, but for my family, for my loved ones. The ruined lives, the the ruined financial situations. The dark topic of conversation being a thousand miles away. Right? It just goes on and on. I altered their lives with all their friends. I altered their lives amongst that own, about between my family, my five sisters and my brother. I tore that apart. <sighs> now that's the physical part of it. All right? So we 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 can read this 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 doctor's opinion and really get a handle on what alcoholism is and why I can come to the conclusion that I'm an alcoholic. And then we have the solution to the problem. There is hope. This isn't a doom and gloom situation. The solution is as uh it was read earlier that we have a way out which practically every human being every alcoholic can agree. Right? So, um, Bill Wilson went through, if you've read Bill's story, I hope everybody in here is like familiar with this book, because it is, it is the way out. It's our lifeboat. It's a ticket to life, really. Um, I think we've all tried every imaginable way to stay stopped. You know, no human being can keep a stop. They could help get a stop, right? But no human being has been able to keep a stop no matter what. I always started again. But Bill had a bunch of, he had a bunch of bottoms. I mean, you know, we did too, didn't we? I mean, we had a lot of bottoms. We had a lot of bottoms that should have made us never touch another drop of alcohol. A lot of loss that should have had us come to our senses, right? Bill had the same thing happen to him. Bill, as a matter of fact, and, and just so you know, if we admit we're powerless over alcohol, that our lives have become unmanageable because of all the things that, have, that, that we've done, all the decisions, the broken, the, you know, the brokenness of it all. That doesn't mean we're stopped. We can acknowledge step one, and still be drinking. Matter of fact, many of us have. I did. I acknowledge step one. Okay, yeah, I get it. I'm, I'm, I hear you talking about this. I, I, I acknowledge that I am a, a real alcoholic. That when I start, I can't stop. And when I'm stopped, I can't stop starting. Allergy obsession. Right? I can acknowledge that. It doesn't mean I'm stopped. Right? What it means is, is that I have to come to the conclusion that no human power could have relieved me from my alcoholism or kept me stopped. And that only God could and would if he, if, if he were sought. And that usually sends uh, sends those of us that are hardwired to thinking that we have it right with God. Back into this place where we grew up. We were taught about this, that, and the other. That we don't need to explore any more information about my relationship with God. I'm good with God. Bob, Dr. Bob thought that too. As a matter of fact, just to go back to the forward that we were talking about, forward to the second edition, it says, this was in Bill, when Bill was in Akron, Ohio. You know, he, for about three months, he tried to get people stopped. He tried to go on Skid Row. He knew helping other people. Ebby told him, you got to carry this message. Well, Bill was doing, he was going out there and telling everybody got to have a white light experience like he had in Towns Hospital. And they're saying, Where's the bottle? I'm not buying any of that. We got to tell them what the problem is, right? So he went to Lois. She says, Look, I'm ready to throw in the towel on this thing. I can't do this anymore. Nobody's getting sober. I'm over this. She says, Well, Bill, I'm paraphrasing, but you're staying sober. And that had a profound, oh, like, you know, that, wow, I didn't think of that perspective. He was staying sober, even though he was carrying a message that needed to be tweaked a little bit. She says, why don't you go down and talk to Silky a little bit? Tell him what you're telling people. And he did. And Silkworth told him, what are you you doing, Bill? Why are you telling people they need it? You've got to tell them why they need that. You've got to create the appetite for trying something that they can't see, feel, taste, touch, or smell. Most of us glean all the information we have through our five senses. How else do you get it? That's how we form our interpretations and understanding and perceptions, right? He says, you need to tell people about the allergy and the upset. You need to tell them about the malady of this thing, the sickness. Why they need a spiritual experience. Why they need to have this sudden profound alteration. The next thing he did was he goes to Akron, Ohio on a proxy deal. And it fell through and he knew that the only thing he, he the only thing he, he started getting thirsty. Right? He's at the Mayflower Hotel. He's he's like getting thirsty. He's walking by the bar and hearing all the chatter and laughter and glasses clinging and man, he's starting to get this thirst. He says, Oh my god, I gotta find somebody to talk to. So he goes and he makes some calls. This is not accidental. This was all by plan, I believe. And he finally gets a hold of a woman and she says, well, I know a woman. And he ends up at Dr. Bob's house after it was Mother's Day. And she says, well, you can come, but you're not going to be able to talk to him. He's passed out under the table. It's a little bit more described in the story, but... um, you come by tomorrow, and Doctor Bob said, "Yeah, I'll give him 15 minutes. Yeah, I'll give him 15 minutes, and that's it." Ann. <laughs> and and Doctor Bob and Ann Smith were frequenters of the OX movement. They were Christian. They had been to church. They knew they. It's not like they weren't educated and informed, and and, and had you know some background to that, like a lot of us do. Some don't. But he was, he, he, he was a pretty devout guy as far as attendance and things of that nature. But Bill started telling him about the malady of, the, of alcoholism. He told him, and this is a doctor, Dr. Bob Smith. He was a proctologist, but he was a doctor, right? It says a physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma. The only thing he could go by is what he knew, not what he didn't know. He tried to double down. I did that. I did that. I went back to church. I I mean, I I was dying, but the only thing I could do was what I knew to do, what I had been taught to do, right? Nothing else was there to reach for. He says he tried... Repeatedly, spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but it failed. But when the broker gave him Dr. Silkworth's description, when Bill gave him Dr. Silkworth's description of alcoholism alcoholism and its hopelessness, the physician began to pursue a spiritual remedy. He knew he had a death sentence at that point. He knew there was no way out of this thing. Began to pursue the spiritual remedy for his malady with a willingness he had never had never before been able to muster. He's sober never to drink again up to the moment of his death. You know what I'm saying? No matter how profound we think it is, our religion, you know, we, it's like we get presented with a vertical solution in here and we want to argue. We want to debate and we're dying. It's like Monty Hall. Let's make a deal. Door number one, Death, certain death. If you can't stop when you start, and you can't stop starting, think about that. You're going to endlessly die an alcoholic and an alcoholic death. Very dark, very lonely. Just like all those hands we raised. That's what's going to happen. That's our future, right? Door number one, certain death. Door number two, life beyond your wildest imagination. Freedom. Empowerment. Transparency, authenticity, legacy, selflessness, life that was beyond, that was not going to happen given how we were living new ideas, right? Door number one, death, door number two, life, and life like you'd never known it. Unfortunately, there's no door number three. There is no door number three. Live or die, choose. And that's what they're leading to here. They're giving us information that's going to bring us to a, to a decision that will change your entire future, your entire destiny. Where we come in takers, we come in naturally taking. we need to take, we need to get. We need the information. We need people to educate us and to help us understand this thing. Just like what this meeting is all set up to do. But through this process, we become givers. If you've been in here for a while and you're still a taker, you've missed it. Because that means selfishness and self-centeredness, self-absorption, self-consciousness. It's got to hold on you like you can't get rid of it. And that's bondage. And that leads to drinking. Can't live like that for long, people. We tried. So we have a solution. So we embark on this journey. Step two says to uh, come to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. I believe a lot of us miss this. I think we want to get away with just as much as we can. Like get the maximum result with the minimal effort. And if we don't dive into our old attitudes, ideas, and beliefs to really see what's broken, we continue to walk around with them. And a lot of us settle. We settle for mediocrity. At best, always complaining, always running it, always running our victim stories, looking for victims to tell our stories to, complaining about everything, walking around like you've been hit in the face with a dead fish. You see them coming and it's like, oh my God, I'm down with that. Stevie B, I don't know if he's here tonight. He's done these a few times here, I'm certain. I know I saw him once for sure. He talks about going through a salad bar and he says, you know what? He says it's like going through a salad bar and you get to the end of the salad bar and you got a plate and you only got one crouton on it. It's like going through this thing and just taking as much as you need to get by. Oh my God. You continue to walk around with wings, but you're never able to fly. So even if you've been in here for a while, and it's still like the weight of the world is upon you, and you're walking around with burden after burden after burden, and life sucks, and oh my God. Get back to your basics. Because this thing offers total freedom. This offers unlimited possibility. But we first have to get it that the way we think it is is just not the way it is. John told me that he says you know what He says, this is what you know even in your relationships even in career even in job pursuit even in you know uh, recovery what you think that is not drinking and going to meet whatever you think that is it's what you know that's killing you it's what you know that's keeping you small And the obstacle to learning anything, the obstacle to being taught anything, being teachable. Is that what you already know, Joe? This whole thing about seeking a relationship with a power greater than myself, at least being willing to, and why wouldn't we be willing to? We're dying when we get here. Like, how well is what we've been doing working out for you? I mean, (laughs) like, oh, my God, what have we got to lose here? Like, really? That's what John would say to me. He says, let's just take a look at what you've been able to accomplish, Joe, with all your ability, talent, and skills in this world. I had a 25-mile-high pile of garbage, wreckage, broken hearts, Nobody trusted me. Nobody, nobody even wanted to have a conversation with me because I always insisted on wanting to be right and be in control. And looking good doing it. Wow. Everything that we're going to seek when we make this decision, everything that we hope to gain from this, the freedom, in the word, that's truly what we get to have is Freedom is outside our box of comfort. We we get we get become creatures of comfort. We don't want to change. Human beings are not open to changing. But dying kind of he- motivates you in that direction, doesn't it? It motivates us all in that direction. The way I thought it was was just not the way it was. So Listen, why was I willing? Why was Bill Wilson willing? He says, for I had to be willing, for I was hopeless. Nobody comes in here full of hope. Everybody comes in here with the past just beating them down. The only thing we think about is the past and the uncertainty of the future. We're never where we are. We're never like the purest form of sanity is to be okay with what, what is, what we have. Not un-okay with what we don't have. To be restored to sanity, that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. They're not talking about this, the un- insane things I did after I was drinking. They're not talking about that at all. You, you do that with the, you put the booze in me, you put it in an 80-year-old woman, she's going to do insane things, probably go to jail. They're talking about the insanity Of being stone cold sober. Knowing I have this allergic reaction when I drink. Where when I drink I can't stop. And I have the evidence of decades of what happens because I can't stop starting. And put it in my body anyway. That is flat out nuts. That's certifiably insane. So... Seeking this power, you, you know, ABC, the ABCs, you know, we talk about them all the time. We, we hear them all the time. We don't know what, really what they mean, you know, because we know the course lines. What's the fact? And like, you know, uh, what's the point? And like, you know, God. And a lot of it, people can cite that thing verbatim and they don't even need to book. Well, that's impressive. And still be dying of untreated alcoholism, Right that we're alcoholic and could could not manage our own life, a.k.a. thinking. I I can't stress that enough, right? Everything that is in the past prior to us coming in this meeting tonight is the past. The past isn't some ancient date in our life. The past was a minute ago. It's all part of something that can't be re-scripted, can't be rewritten, can't be altered, can't be spun truthfully, it is what it is. We all have an opportunity to write a new chapter in our lives. We have an opportunity to develop to develop a new past. imagine that, one that we can take comfort in and gratitude in, and thank God for right? So, the past is something that we're going to have to look at in order to move forward because that's where we find out where we're broken you know they uh in uh, in in a lot of places in this in bill's writing, he talks about um, he talks about the essence of the step without writing the step in other words he'll 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 have a paragraph and he'll have a couple of sentences put together that if you understand exactly what admitted we were powerless over alcohol that our lives had become unmanageable or came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore sanity. Pa- the, the problem and the solution: powerlessness, power. It's that simple. Step three is going to be seeking the power or seeking the problem. There's no in between, right? In more about alcoholism, they talk about the crazy feature of alcohol: this obsession of the mind, this lie that comes in, that overcomes all other thought, contrary to the evidence. Where I can have a conversation with myself, I don't have it with anybody else. I'm I'm out to convince me, not you, that I need a drink, right? And have that conversation. Like, that would be different. How can you do that with you know two decades of of, of evidence? We all have evidence. I had evidence. John was very clear about pointing out my evidence. Right? It says in the end of uh, More About Alcohol, it says, Once more the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. What that means is that in that state of mind, where, I'm, where, I'm in, where I, I have untreated alcoholism or an alcoholic mind, same thing, that my mind can only remember what it did for me. Not what it did to me. I can't remember the great fact. I can't bring into my mind with sufficient force the memory of the suffering, devastation, humiliation, degradation of a day, a week, or a month prior. The only thing I can remember, because remember what's driving it, that internal condition, right? That fear, regret, shame, remorse, all that stuff, is, is that is creating the need to lie to myself. To put the toxic, the the substance in my body that's killing me. Right? Doesn't matter if I stand to lose my children. One more bout, we're taking your children away. One more bout, and I'm gonna divorce you. One more bout, you're going to jail. Didn't matter. We stood to lose it all. It was all in on the table. All in. And we did it anyway. The loss right? For the foolish idea that it'd be different. So next week, we're going to um, really dive into, don't think that week one, week two, week three is specific to any particular step. It'll all come together at, at, at some point. I'm not sure when, but it will. But I think the most important, the most important thing that we that we really uh, investigate is our belief system. I mean, if you're not convinced with the information they have in doctor's opinion, Bill's story, there's a solution, the need for power. The whole chapter is written because of the argument of the need for power. Because we just got told we didn't have the power to overcome. We couldn't get ourselves there, Right? Then we get into more about alcoholism, which is a double down on this whole mental obsession. The ability not to, the, the inability to stay stopped. That's the crux of the matter. John used to say, look, you just want to stay stopped. If you just want to stop, go slap a cop. You'll stop. That's six months. <laughs> well, if that, if you think that's the name of the deal, right? So this whole thing about God. There's nowhere to go. If we if we can't get if we can't get into seeing how our relationship or lack thereof is not broken in a million pieces, all the expectations, all the conceptions that we come in with, all the all the uh, the contempt and pride and ego and skepticism. That's what's keeping us stuck. So we're going to talk about that next week, right? We're going to talk about the need for power other than human power. AA, AA will work for a little bit. It'll work for a little bit, but it's no permanent solution. Meetings are not, a, Meetings. put it this way, meetings will not expel the obsession to drink alcohol. In in, uh, More About alcohols, and I'm going to end with this, it says, and I'll, I'll read it for you because I kind of fumble it every now and then. And then we'll wrap it up. For those who are unable to drink moderately, the question, we're assuming, of course, that everybody in here desires to stop. Whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which they've already lost the power to choose whether they're going to drink or not. We don't get up and choose not to drink. We don't have that power. You'll hear people say that because it's clicheus and it sounds cool. Oh, I chose not to drink today. No, you didn't. We've lost that power to choose whether we're going to drink or not. It's saying here, if you've lost the power to choose whether you're going to drink or not. One, I guess I have to question why you're even in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. You had that power, right? But it says if you have lost that power to choose whether you're going to do it or not. Then a spiritual solution is your answer. So we'll we'll uh, we'll really get into that. And I think it's. And, and we're gonna. So we're gonna be talking about we agnostics. And uh, I would encourage anybody that's coming back next week to do a little homework and read that chapter. And uh, hopefully, I'll be able to explain it in such a way where it makes sense. Thanks.
1: Let's thank Joe one more time. And we're going to bring up Joey for our secretary's report.
2: Hello, everyone. Um, I am uh, Joey, and I'm your corporate alcoholic secretary. Hello. Uh, All right. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions... We have the baskets going around, and for you tech-savvy folks or you don't have cash on you, we got QR codes uh, that go to the the group's Venmo account in the back. Um, At this time, I'm asking right now, because I still procrastinate, and that's okay, I guess, Um, Nancy, is Nancy here? You're Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Can you come up and read the recovered statement? Thank you so much. Welcome, Nancy. Just for your information, we read this to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered versus recovering, what exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. No one better do so than Nancy. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm an alcoholic, Nancy. Recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for a lifetime, but we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. Page 23. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you. All right, david's such a gentleman. All right, um, here we go. 1940-style big book sponsorship from the forward of the second edition Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sobered once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe and experience is that God has not changed over time and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75 plus percent success rate. Which is cool. All right. Um, at this time, is there anyone out there that would need a sponsor? No? No? Awesome. Okay. That's right, if you're shy, too. Um so any recovered alcoholics? If you may be shy, we're almost all recovered. That's that's pretty cool. All right. Um but if anyone's too shy that I miss, if you come see one of the people with your hands raised, I'd be happy to speak with you. Um my favorite part announcements. All right. We do have announcements. Intergroup, heard of it? Well, it's, the, it's where you can buy your AA-related AA literature and medallions. Also responsible for creating our where-and-when and scheduling the AA hotline. Stop by and pay them a visit. BCIC is where um, you can bring meetings into jail, or excuse me, places where people like us cannot get out to an AA meeting, such as jails, detoxes, rehabs. They do meet monthly and organize at the 12-step house, any BCIC people. AKA Peter, see he here? That's okay. Stop by the 12 step house and pay them a visit. Um, Wednesday night study group, beautiful thing. Um, it is very much going on in Pompano, 7 to 8. Be there or be not there or squared, yeah. Um, volunteer opportunities for all these, we do have flyers out in the back for you. Um, Joe B. will be gracing us with his presence for a few more weeks. Thank you, sir. Uh, Monday night, um, upstairs, third floor, we go through the book page by page. It's really awesome. We're getting to the, to the employers. Um, so we're going past... Oh, the wives. The, oh, sorry about that. Anywho, but it's a good time, and um, it's really kind of dissects to improve the book knowledge. Uh, tables in the back... Um, if you could set them up six, you know what I'm saying? Like that picture. And also, if you, if you may, uh, the last four rows, if we could stack those chairs up into rows of 10 chairs, that would be awesome. If you have any questions, Mike Chase, you know, he'll tell you what to do, whether you want to, you know, anyway, you'll be all right. Um, so thank you. That would be very helpful. All right. So, um, Please join us Monday night's big book study meeting. I just want to reiterate that because it's a good time. Um, it is at 7.15. Be start to get there at 6.30 to get one of Alan's cookies. We do have CDs, mugs, large print big books, little red books, and big book dictionaries for sale in the back. See one of the home group members. We do meet here every Thursday, probably starting at 7.15. Um, come early for some fellowship and cookies as well. And uh, that's all, folks. Thanks. Thank you.
1: That's the guy. I thought I was hearing that music in my head. Um, (laughs) um, All right, so we have tonight's session and all other past speaker podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. We also have QR codes in the back if you just want to scan it. Um, I'd like to invite everyone again to the Monday Night Big Book Study. It's up here on the third floor. And if anyone would like to thank our speaker, you can line up in the center aisle right here and um, give him a handshake. Uh, We're going to close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thy is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Just a reminder 75 feet away from the door if you're going to vapor smoke.
0: Thank you. thirsty body's aching, I am desperately in need of restoration, yeah.
5: smiling, the whole world smiles with you, baby,
6: baby.
5: yes, when you're laughing, both la, 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 of Ah mm-hmm.
6: no.
7: In the dark, I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine, 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 shine. let it shine This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine This little light of
8: mine, I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine, 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 shine. let it shine All right, Michael Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the... Hold it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. day in a brand new way show up and plug in my guitar and i play my songs and people sing along and stomp their feet and raise their arms Song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye.